morning, C3. Thanks for joining this morning. We're going to begin in three, two, one. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. If you don't know who we are, I'm Chris. That's Justin, and that's Zach, Derek, and Sean. We're going to play a song this morning you know. I encourage you guys to sing along and worship with us. in your name we're calling out to you glory like a fire awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth cause you're the reason we're here you're the reason we're singing hoping up the heavens we want to see Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, feeling every part of our praise. Presence in this place, your glory on our face, look into the sky. Descending like a cloud, you're standing with us now. Lord, unveil our eyes. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river going from your heart. service, I encourage you to worship our Savior today, and I'm going to read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I like nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. 
Even though I walk in the dark through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and, and love will follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Dear Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to come today uh, to worship you. And we uh, ask that each heart will be touched by the words that they will preach and that your peace will be all over us. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, if I ever needed someone, I need you. Lord, if I ever needed someone, I need you. To see me through the daytime, the long and lonely night. To lead me through the darkness and on into the night. Stand with me when I'm in trouble And help me through my strife Times get so uncertain I turn to you Turn to you in my young life Lord, if I ever needed someone I need you Lord if I ever needed someone, I need you. Someone to hold on to, to keep me from all fear. Someone to be my God light, and keep me ever dear. from my selfishness to keep me from my sorrow to lead me on to givingness so I can see tomorrow so Lord if I ever needed someone I need you Lord if I ever Needed someone, I need you. Someone to walk with, someone to hold my hand, someone to talk with, someone to understand. So, yeah. tender touch to feel it and to keep it with you just right here in my soul care for it and keep it with me never to go Lord 
C3 family. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Gentlemen, thank you for the worship. Always. Always glorious. Yes. And we're grateful. Um, let me pray for us as we get started this morning. Thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can gather. Uh, and our hope, our prayer, our desire is that we will receive fresh grace from you. Uh, your word tells us in, Matthew, in uh, Romans 15 that uh, you wrote the Old Testament for your people so that they could experience endurance and encouragement and hope. And again, as I asked last week, I ask again for those things. We need endurance. We need encouragement. We need hope. So use the Old Testament today in our lives to give us those three things. And if you would, we sure would be grateful. We bless you and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Um, Parts of the Bible, Shirley, um, passages in the Bible uh, over time uh, become like old friends. Uh, they walk through life's ups and downs, goods and bads, uh, joys and sorrows. And um, I think that's the way God designed it. And, um, you know, like, a, like an old friend, sometimes you, you get to know them real well. You become very familiar with some of these passages, these old friends. Um, think you know them really well. And then every once in a while you read one of these passages and um, they just, in a very fresh way, Speak to us. Yeah, revisit. In, in, in unexpected and uh, incredibly wonderful ways. And, uh, you know, it's like old friends. Uh, sometimes they can just, uh, they do things that are unexpected. They say things that are unexpected. They minister to us in unexpected ways. And that's a that's a that's a blessing when that happens. Yeah, this that happened to me just this week. Uh, my father's funeral was on um, Monday. Yes, and it is remarkable to me. I've I've, I've thought about it a lot this week about um, you know the, the wonderful things people do, the cards people send, but yes. I, and and everybody's yes. so sweet and all. But hmm. I think the thing that was su surprising and it shouldn't have been, but and just so lovely were. To your point, the old friends, old high school friends that I did the not people, expect yeah, that to we haven't seen thought about yeah, in a while, in, in general, you know, and yeah. uh, that uh, old church friends that we hadn't seen in a long time that just came and and were there, yeah, and said the right thing at the right time when you just you didn't expect it, and it, and the nostalgia and the beauty of the old relationship was quite profound. Yes, yes, that's you know? exactly where my mind was going. 
with certain Bible passages. Yeah. And one of those old friends in my life is Psalm 23. Uh, I go back to it often, and in my journey through the Bible, I just read it a few days ago. And man, when I read, read you know, hundreds of times, taught from it many, many times, and yet when I read it this past week, it just spoke to me in a very fresh and powerful way, in an unexpected way. And I wanted us to talk about a couple of, actually three things that I just have either never really thought about or I've not thought about in a long time. And so before we get into it, would you please read Psalm 23 for me? It's familiar. Thank you. Yeah. Right? You, yeah. It's an old friend. Yes. Yes. It's a Psalm of David where he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams, and he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, mm. bringing honor to his name. Mm. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, staff protect and comfort me. Mm. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Mm-hmm. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. Mm. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah, thank you. I love it when you read. Um, There are just three, like I said, three fresh ideas that either I never thought about or haven't thought about in a long time that I wanted to talk about today to just give us, as I prayed, some endurance and some encouragement and some hope. And I got those from this old friend of mine, and I hope that all of us will this morning. Um, it's, you know, David says in here, first of all, he says, um, let me see where it is. He said, I'm going to start, start at the bottom and work my way up. It says, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. This translation said, pursue me. Well, and that that translation actually says it way more accurately, way more the way David meant it. Um, David Shepherd, his good shepherd, uh, doesn't just follow him. What David is saying is, is that he actively, passionately is pursuing and chasing him. That word follow is way too antiseptic, it's way too colorless, it's, it's way too weak uh, and unemotional. Um, the image that David is, is saying there or trying to convey about his understanding of God, it's not the idea or the image of a puppy following a little child. It is actually, uh, the image that David's trying to convey is that of a kinsman redeemer and a blood avenger. Yeah which in the Old Testament days, in a large Jewish extended family, there would be a person, normally it was a very powerful person, and a very, um, a person of, well, of great means, somebody that had great resources available and great strength available. They would choose this person and they would give him a specific responsibility and role that he would take very seriously. And that role would be of kinsman, redeemer, and blood avenger. And what that, could be the same person, but it's two roles, two hats. 
And the, the, the kinsman redeemer role would be that, that when there was a family member who was in need, needed help, that kinsman redeemer would, with great passion, with great determination, uh, relentlessness, uh, really is the word, the idea, he would go and he would help that person and he, nothing could stop him. Uh, the, the, the beautiful image of that is we see with Boaz and Ruth. Yeah. Uh, Boaz was Ruth's kinsman redeemer. She was in great need, and Boaz let nothing stop him. In fact, uh, Naomi said about Boaz, um, he will not sleep until this matter is settled. Hmm. And Ruth got the help (laughs) that she required. That's the idea that David's saying, God won't sleep until he fulfills his role, his somber, serious role and responsibility of being our kinsman redeemer. Flip it around, it also is a reference to blood avenger. And that is when one of your family members uh, was harmed, taken advantage of, or sadly killed. When somebody did that, that blood avenger would step up and would pursue, chase that person until he caught him and dealt with him took care, <laughs> took care of business. Um, uh, most of the time, the blood avenger uh, would be doing this for uh, family members that were weak, that were helpless, that were defenseless, that couldn't defend themselves. But when somebody wronged one of his family members, he would take care of that. And you see that with Gideon and Boaz. Uh, uh, no, uh, uh, Gideon and Joab, David's best friend, oh, yeah. two different men killed one of their family members. And what you see with Gideon and with Joab, they did not rest and they did not forget uh, until they chased down the men that killed their family members and wreaked their vengeance uh, on them. Um David is saying that God's goodness and mercy chases us. It pursues us relentlessly. It, it won't stop until it accomplishes its role and responsibility, its purpose in our lives. Um, you had told me about a poet that had an idea that yeah. he was writing about this, actually. Well, it's kind of a famous idea, uh, the hound of heaven. Charles Spurgeon, it was one of his favorite images of God. Uh, uh, he referred to it often that God was the hound of heaven that would chase him relentlessly. Right. And that's where this poet gets this idea. Yeah, the poet is an old um, poet, Francis Thompson. And he just says, the Lord's goodness, may the Lord's goodness and mercy chase us down the labyrinthine paths Hmm. like the hound of heaven. Of course, labyrinthine, every way, like a maze, wherever we may go. They stay hot on our heels, goodness and mercy. Mm. May the divine love and grace of our shepherd pursue us all the way to heaven's gates and into the arms of our waiting father. I mean, isn't that a glorious Love and grace, goodness and mercy. Yes. So I'm so sorry. Excuse me. No, that's it. That's all of it. Yeah, yeah. Just that idea that God's love, God's grace, God's goodness, God's mercy are pursuing us relentlessly. They will not stop chasing us until they ultimately accomplish God's purposes and plans. Down every labyrinthine path. Yes, and ultimately 
that ends, they chase us literally into the gates of heaven. I don't know. That's a great that just, image. Yeah, we're thinking about your dad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just that, that what's God doing in your life? He's chasing me. He's chasing me with his goodness and mercy. Second idea, quickly, uh, that, that David emphasizes here in the middle, he says, uh, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. David's shepherd and our shepherd doesn't just pursue us with goodness and mercy. David says that uh, this idea that you, God, you, great shepherd, good shepherd, you are with me. And I don't know, when I read that, again, it just hit me that, you know, we all know, oh yes, God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. But do we really understand what that means practically, that God chooses to be with us? Um, you know, it's one thing to be for somebody. I'm for most people. I, I, I wish most people well. I hope the best for them. And I would even actually help anybody that I could in need. I, I wish them well. I want good things for them. And I would help them if they had need. That's very different than wanting to spend time with yeah, them. Yeah, be with someone. Be with them. I mean... Uh, there's a lot of people that I try to help at Christmas time. Uh, families in need that I try to help at Christmas time. I don't want them to spend Christmas with us. I'm just being honest. Um, I, there's people that I would give money to to help them with prop financial problems. I don't want them going on vacation with us. You see the difference mm-hmm. there? When I go on a walk every day, I love going on a walk. And often it's by myself and I'm praying and I'm singing and I'm thinking about what I'm going to talk about next. Um, and I'll turn a corner and, you know, every once in a while there'll be somebody that I'll smile at and they'll smile at me and they'll start talking to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I don't want them to talk to me. I, I wish them well. And if they fell down, I'd stop and help them. But I don't want them with me. You, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> and that might sound terrible, but it's just the truth. But God says, I am with you. David realizes, God, you are with me. Um, Moses says it this way in Exodus 33. Moses declared God's presence is with his people and it reveals his favor and pleasure and it distinguishes God's people from all the other people on the earth. Let me read that one more time. I love that. Moses declared God's presence with his people reveals his favor and pleasure, and it distinguishes God's people from all the other people on the earth. Um, Psalm 23 is is a a special psalm, and I don't know, I was going to ask you if this is true in English or not, but in Hebrew literature, where the placement of ideas is important, if it's at the first of a chapter, or an eye of a passage, or it's at the end of a passage, or if it's in the middle of a passage. That's significant in Hebrew literature. Is that the same in English um, literature? You know, maybe not quite exactly like that, but yeah, the placement of a the main idea, whether you're going to invert it, like normally you would have the subject and verb, and if you invert it, that would draw attention. Yes. Or repetition, where you say something and then say it again, okay. kind of backwards. Um, yeah, those sorts of things to to draw attention to the center point. To yes, the, to the, yes. the not only the main idea, but how it's placed in the poem. In, in the poem, yes. Yeah. Well, 
in Psalm 23, just so you know, there are, the, uh, there are 55 Hebrew words. Hebrew words. In English, it's different. But in Hebrew, there's 55 Hebrew words that make up Psalm 23. Um, in the dead center are the, is the phrase, you are with me. You are dead center. There's 23 words before it, and there's 23 words after it. Oh, that's cool. And that David placed that there very significantly. He, he wanted the Hebrew people to see, wow, the dead the heart of what I'm saying is God is with me. You are with me. I find it also significant that before you are with me, that phrase, David is talking about God. Um, he says things like, um, let's see, uh, 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 the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me glad. He leads me to, to uh, uh, green grass. He guides me. He leads me beside still water. I'm sorry. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Um, it's all cognitive. It's all cerebral. It's all intellectual. He's talking about the facts that he knows about God. Yeah. Um, but when he comes to that phrase, you are with me, it changes. And it touches him at a deep place. It becomes emotional. It becomes intimate. It becomes personal. And after that phrase, he's no longer talking about God. He starts talking to God. And he says, your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, before my enemies, or for me, before my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Yeah. God moves from, or David moves from intellectual information that he knows about God to this intimacy mm-hmm. with God. And he wants us to see that. He wants us to see that at the heart of Psalm 23, and I believe at the heart of David, was this unbelievable revelation and message. Do you realize that God is with us? David, I think, would say, do you realize I'm never alone? God delights in me so much that he wants to be with me all the time. And he is with me in my darkest valleys and in the most fierce battles that I face with my enemies. Um, I think that's this third phrase. Uh, now, again, I'm going up, but he says this last phrase that really spoke to me is he said, he restores my soul. My shepherd and David's shepherd isn't just, he's not just pursuing me. He's not just with me, but he's also, according to David, restoring me. He says in verse three, he restores my soul. I think it's significant that David starts Psalm 23 with this, this shepherding role in the life of, a, of the sheep. He, he's um, uh, uh, helping them or makes them lie down. Uh, he leads them beside water. He guides them in the right paths. But then he comes to this. He restores me, restores my soul. Um, and I think the emphasis that David is trying to help us focus on is this idea, sheep also wander off. Mm-hmm. Sheep go astray. Uh, David mentions this idea in Psalm 119. He says, I have gone astray, O Lord, like a lost sheep. Jesus even emphasizes this in the New Testament, in the Gospels. In Luke 15, Jesus tells us about this shepherd who has a hundred sheep. One of them wanders off. What does the shepherd do? He goes after 
after the one sheep uh, that has gone astray. It's a remarkable thought. It, it really is. And it's significant that the, the root word of this, this idea of restore, the root of that idea is it's the idea to turn something back, to right that which is wrong, or literally it means to repent someone, to bring them to a point where they come back, they, they repent, God repents us, God restores us. In Psalm 23, David is conveying this idea that the Lord is a shepherd that is going after his sheep that have wandered off, that have gotten lost, that have gone astray, and he is orchestrating events in their lives to bring them back to his pasture. In fact, that's what Jeremiah says in chapter 50. It says, God is a divine shepherd who brings erring sheep back to his pasture. And then Jeremiah says in Lamentation 5, restore us to yourself that we may be restored. You hear what he's saying? Mm -hmm. No, no. Don't wait on us to restore ourselves. You restore us. So that I can be restored. So that I can be restored. And uh, uh, Solomon says the same exact thing in 1 Kings chapter 8. He says, O Lord, incline our hearts towards you. Don't wait on us to turn to you. Don't wait on us to seek after you. You pull us. You draw us. You turn us back to you. Make my heart want you. You know, I just had this thought. We have a grandson. He's Mm -hmm. older now, but when he was little... When you'd ask him to do something, he'd say, "You do it." You do. That's exactly. You do it. I don't exactly want to do right. it. You know, yes. sometimes it'd be hard. Sometimes he didn't want to, and he'd say, "You do it." And what a pleasure it is that we pursued him and and did it and, and did, helped him, helped him want to do what was right, yeah. and then helped him do what right. was right. right. That's exactly what God is. When David says, "Restore us," the Lord restores me. That's what He's talking about. Yeah. Lost sheep don't come back home on their own. They're lost. Shepherds go and find them and bring them home. And that's the idea that David is saying here when he uses this word restore. Good shepherds and his shepherd, he goes out, he finds us when we wander off, when we stray. He puts us on his shoulders and he brings us back home. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 says that if you are not disciplined by God, you are not his children. For God disciplines those that he loves. And I just think that's a great word of, of encouragement uh, and hope. Jesus doesn't give, us, give up on us. He doesn't get frustrated. He doesn't write us off. I mean, it's exactly, I mean, the two images that or the two people that come to my mind are Jacob. Remember what we talked about last week in chapter 32, where Jacob has lived his whole life in rebellion and he was obstinate. He was always grabbing, forcing. And at the height of that, He's manipulating, trying to control. He sends his, he uses his own family for his own ends uh, and sends them out to try to appease Esau. He's back in the camp. What's God doing? Where's God? In all of that, where's God? Right there in the camp. Right? God pursues Jacob and he's wrestling with him. He's trying to bring him home. And I think of Peter, uh, you know, in John chapter 21. 
uh, uh, Peter has made a royal rear end of himself, denied Jesus. Jesus tells him to stay in Jerusalem until uh, uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Peter says, I'm going fishing. <laughs> he goes fishing. He's out in the boat. Where's Jesus? He's on the bank cooking breakfast. He's right there. He's, re- he's doing the things that will ultimately result in the restoration yeah. of Jacob, yeah. in the restoration of Peter. Jesus does not give up on us. He doesn't write us off. David's point is simple. My ultimate success as a Christian, in yours, in yours, it rests with God. Us finishing well, us getting to heaven, us ultimately wanting to do the things that God wants us to do, it ultimately rests with God. Our success depends on Him. And for that, we should give Him thanks and praise and glory, and it should give us hope and real joy. We got to end. I'm sorry. Such such good stuff. Let us <laughs> celebrate the Lord's Supper quickly because we're running over time. We eat bread and we drink wine as a way of declaring that the Son of God is our good shepherd. And he did not wait on us to come looking for him. He came looking for us and he took on the form of a servant and lived his life on this earth and gave his life as the Lamb of God, the sacrifice for our sins, so that we could become a part of the family and the flock of God. And we remember. And we remember. So let's eat and drink. I'll let you drink first. We bless you in the name of our blessed Savior. Thank you for joining us today. Think about these thoughts and let them give you endurance and encouragement and hope. That's our prayer today. Amen. Thank you. Holy Spirit, guide my vision, help me see the way you see. Always Jesus, ever Jesus, Christ in all is Christ in me. Holy Spirit, guide my speaking words grace and truth abound let my lips be filled with stories of the mercy that i found cause you're the light you're my path you're the shepherd of my soul all I am, all I have, Holy Spirit, lead me on. And Holy Spirit, guide my hearing, wake my ears to words you speak in the thunder, in the stillness. Your voice be clear to me And let your voice be clear to me
for joining us for Christ Community Church. Come back next week. We'll be here 1015 on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, any other lives? In person live. We'll be in person live. We'll see y'all next week. Have a great week.